And uh, the last few weeks we've been looking at things we sing at Christmas. And this week we are looking at Joy to the World. It's a, it's a fabulous Christmas song. It's about 300 years old. And uh, if you are familiar with Handel's Messiah, you will know that some of the some of the bits of the tune have been pulled out of Handel's Messiah and put to these words written by Isaac Watts about 300 years ago. It's a catchy and easy to sing song, but have you ever stopped to think about what you're singing when we sing Joy to the World? Have you ever thought about the meaning of the words? The contents of this song might surprise you. We're going to have a look at the guts of the song in a minute to see if we can suss it out. What are we talking about? It's a song that's actually based on Psalm 98 and the bit of Psalm 86 or whichever it was that we that we read um, both earlier in the service. And a psalm is a spiritual song from the Bible. So Isaac has taken these words from the, the Bible and he has paraphrased them to write joy to the world in view of Christmas. So I'm going to step my way through joy to the world. I'm going to reflect on what the Bible says about this message. We're going to ask four questions that will help us figure what it's all about. Who is the King and Saviour mentioned in the song? When is he coming? What's he going to do when he gets here? And then what should we do? What's, what's the implications for us? So the first question, who is the King and Saviour in this song? We, in the opening lines of the song, we sang, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King. And then in verse 2, we also sang, Joy to the world, the Saviour reigns. Who is this king and saviour? If we look at the inspiration for this song, Psalm 98, we can see who the saviour and king is. Firstly, the saviour. Psalm 98 says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. So the person doing the saving here is the Lord God. We can also Uh, We can see that the one doing the saving is the Lord God, the one true God who made all things. The Lord is revealing to the world his salvation. Everybody across all the world will be able to see him save his people. The Lord is saviour. But we also see that he is king. We see that he's king in verse verse 6. It says, make a joyful noise before the king the Lord. And we also see in verses 8 and 9, it talks about someone who comes to judge the earth. In the, in the old uh, old uh, kind of understanding of kings, kings were both judges. They were the rulers. They, you know, we've got a, a court system where judges and, um, and our prime minister and other rulers are all segmented into different jobs. But the idea of the king in the ancient times was he was both judge and ruler. And Psalm 98 tells us that the Lord is the judge of all the earth. So, once again, it's the Lord who is the person who is spoken about here. The Lord is King. The Lord is Saviour. So, what does the Lord God have to do with the birth of Jesus? Why do we sing this song at Christmas? Because the baby we celebrate being born at Christmas is the God of the universe. The baby being born is the Lord God made man. 
Jesus is both God and man, born into the world. Now, his, his actual birthday is not December 25th, but it's as good as day as any to celebrate the God of the universe being born into the world. He is Son of God, God-made man who walked amongst mankind. Jesus is the King who has come and he is the Saviour who reigns. Born into this world, not so that he could stay as a cute little baby in a manger, but so that he would grow up and bring blessing to the earth. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So we've seen who the King and Saviour is in this song. It is the Lord God, Jesus Christ. But when is he coming? The song says, the Lord is come, and he comes to make his blessings flow. And in the psalm it says, he comes, as if it's an ongoing or future event. Has he already come, or is it a future thing that he will come? Well, it's both. As we've already mentioned, the Saviour King was born already as a man in the Middle East some 2,000 years ago. It was an event that was prophesied hundreds of years before he arrived. And we still have eyewitness records of the things that he did while he was here on earth. He was born and lived as an ordinary, but not really ordinary, man in Palestine. He was a tradie, but he was a very religious man who was obedient to every letter of the moral and religious laws. He loved people. He healed them of sickness. But his mission here wasn't just about being nice to people and healing them of sickness, his mission was to establish a kingdom. A kingdom of heaven. A kingdom of God. A kingdom where he will bring salvation, where he will judge the earth, where he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with fairness. A kingdom where his blessings flow. And he never set up that kingdom. Well, At least not in a physical sense. Jesus didn't have a castle. He didn't sit there. He didn't have an army around him. He didn't, um, he didn't have a land with boundaries and borders. Just seemed that when he was in his prime of his life, when he was gaining traction, when he was gaining lots of followers, when he was super popular, he was executed by the government. He was killed for political expediency based on trumped up charges and he was convicted by a corrupt court. He came into the world to set up this great kingdom where love and fairness and justice live, but then he was gone out of the world in a moment. How can the earth receive her king? How can he rule the world with truth and grace as we sing? What kind of blessings flow from a crucified king? Why sing about a dead Messiah? Because he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. He rose from death And he met with his followers and continued to teach them for several weeks after he was killed. You see, his death wasn't some accident. It was all part of his plan to set up this new kingdom. In order to be the saviour, in order to reveal salvation to the world, he had to accomplish salvation. He went and sacrificed himself in your place. He went to the grave and used his lifeblood as payment for your life. He bought you so that you could be part of his kingdom. You see, there's no membership fee to belong to the church because Jesus has already paid it with his blood. But still, 
He's not here. He may have come once before, and after he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, but he's not here. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He came to establish a kingdom. He came to make his blessings flow, but he's not here. How, how can we sing, the Lord is come, receive her king? How can we sing that the Savior reigns? I mean, I look around the world and I see that death still pillages the human race. Darkness is everywhere. Truth and grace are in short supply. We rarely see the glories of God's righteousness out in the world. When I look out into the world, I can only despair. It's a world of people struggling to gain power and pleasure and significance. We search for meaning in our endless pursuits, selfish pursuits, in our endless subservience to the fleeting pleasures of life. But it's not just out in the world where I can despair. I look into my own heart and I can only despair. Despite what the endless torrent of self-help books says, despite what the inspirational movies keep telling us, I can't look into myself to find joy and peace. I can't find the power in my own heart to overcome the impossible situations. When I look to myself, I only find the cold hard truth of my inability and my failure. When we look in our own hearts, we see the depths of depravity whose dark tentacles reach out to drag us into despair. Why do we sing joy to the world? Why do I sing for joy? Why do we sing of a coming king and a ruling saviour? We sing because he's coming again. We sing because he's not finished yet. He will return. He hasn't left us hanging. He hasn't ditched his plan. He hasn't failed to make a kingdom. Jesus is coming again, but next time it's not in the gentleness of an infant and the normalcy of a small town tradie. He, next time he comes, he comes with the hordes of heaven. Next time he comes, he's because he's ready to finish setting up his kingdom in the sight of the nations and judge with fairness. Next time he comes, it's to finish undoing the curse that plagues mankind. When will it be? I don't know. But he made sure everybody knew that he was coming back. The prophecies about him coming the first time all came true. So we have no reason to doubt when he says he's coming back. He means it. Next time he's coming back to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. But what will he do when he gets here? What does he do? Well, he's like somebody who's moving to a new town. You know, when you're moving to a, a new city, you find a spare weekend and you go and visit where you're moving to and you, um, and you find a house that you want to buy and you, you sign a contract, you purchase the house, but then you leave the house there and you go away. And you make your preparations at home to pack up your house and move to the new city. Uh, and you, and while the house remains vacant, it's still your house. It's still there. You're still coming back to the house. And the same goes for Jesus. He's come. He's purchased a people for himself. He's establishing a kingdom. But he's gone away. But 
He's coming back to finish what he started. He's coming back to fully set up house with his people. He's going to live with his people and rule them and rule the whole world. He's coming back to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Now, I keep banging on about this curse. What am I talking about? It's a curse that afflicts all mankind, a curse that afflicts everybody in this room. It's a curse that's been in operation since the dawn of time, and it is the curse of death. Death afflicts us all. None of us can escape. Even if you live a healthy life, you have great medical care, one day your body will run out of puff and give up the ghost. One day you will die. It is certain. You could die this week. You could die next year. You could die the year after. You could live a long and healthy and prosperous life and die in 50 years' time. But it's still coming. It's still certain. Death stalks us like prey, waiting in the shadows to pounce. It's our scourge. It's our bane. It's our curse. We are headed for the grave. It's depressing, I know. It's not fun to think about your own mortality. Samuel, why are you going on about these depressing things in a season that's meant to be joyful and jolly? Because we need to know what we're being joyful about. We aren't being joyful for joyful's sake. We need to know what we're celebrating. And we're celebrating that Jesus has come and Jesus will come to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Wherever there is death, wherever there is people afflicted by the looming demise, Jesus' blessings will flow. And what are these blessings? Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to save from death. And not just a bodily death, but an eternal spiritual death. He came to bring life. And his kingdom is a kingdom of eternal life. Jesus came to bring salvation and set up his kingdom. And when he comes again, it will be the final showdown. He will finally and utterly do away with death. He will resurrect from death everyone who has died. And he will judge the world. He will judge the living and the dead. Jesus' blessings are already flowing into the world. With people everywhere receiving eternal life. But the blessings have not yet reached their final effect. We are still plagued by death and evil in the world. But the second coming is when Jesus gets to finally sort it all out. He started and he's going to finish it. Jesus has come and will come again to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So what should we do? What's our response? You've got two options. You can say, no, nah, it's not for me. I'll take a pass, thanks. And you can live your life in rejection towards God. And if you reject God, God will one day reject you. God gives in kind. But if you receive God, if you receive the Lord God, Jesus Christ, he will receive you. It's a simple thing to to belong to Jesus. It's a simple thing to receive salvation, a simple thing to receive eternal life 
It's a simple thing to receive Jesus' blessings. Come to Jesus and trust him as your king and saviour. Turn away from your, from your fruitless pursuits of meaning in the world. The world offers so much, but it gives so little. Everything is transient. Everything is passing away. Turn to Jesus for the eternal things. Hear what Jesus says. He says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them for they follow me and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus also said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. You can be saved. You can have the salvation of the Savior. You can have the blessings of Jesus, of life and light. He will take away your shame. He will defeat your enemies, your spiritual enemies. He will hand down fair justice in the end. He will take away the sting of death. Our response can only be, if we have received Jesus, to repeat the sounding joy. Friends, once we have received the blessing of Jesus, once we know our Saviour and our King, what else can we do? Let us lift up our voices in celebration. It's the only worthy response. We have to praise and honour him who has given us eternal life. Jesus comes to save and judge in righteousness. He comes to bring everything we need and long for. Truly, we can sing for joy in the world, knowing that we can receive our good king. Jesus has come into the world. And although he is there and accessible to all, a lot of people aren't interested. They don't think he's worth the time or effort. He's not flashy. He's not popular. He's not fun. He's some old religious guy who wants to tell me how to live my life. The thing is, though, the time is coming when he will come back and he will be adorned with the beauty and majesty that he is worth. He will be revealed once again to the world and this time established permanently. He will come next time with all glory and honour. He will be praised and his name will be on everyone's lips. Every knee will bow. People will praise him for his salvation. People will praise him for his justice and fairness. People will praise him for the blessing of eternal life that flows far as the curse is found. We can sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the the Saviour reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and the wonders of his love.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent yourself into the world in, in, in Jesus. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son. We thank you that you are God incarnate in the world. We thank you for our Lord God who became man and came to set up a kingdom of justice, righteousness, fairness and love and peace and joy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you are doing in the world and we thank you that you have established a kingdom that you will complete in due time. Lord, it's easy in the day-to-day and the month-to-month to lose sight of the fact that you have said you will return. Lord, help us to live in light of that fact. And Lord, where we have wandered, where we have sinned against you, where we have done what is wrong, please convict us, Lord. Show us our error and lead us back to you. Lord, I pray that you would be at work in the hearts of those who are realising that they have failed you and that they are far from you. And we pray, Lord, that you would receive them as they turn to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us such a great blessing. Thank you for sending Christ to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We are not worthy of eternal life. We are not worthy of the blessings. But we thank you, Lord, that you have come to undo our brokenness. Heavenly Father, we thank you with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.